When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, it's very simple. If you're a person who lives in a community, you try to develop a community where people are helpful to each other. Instead of around here, nobody talks to anybody else. In an emergency, everybody comes out and helps. Why can't it be that way all the time? Because we're so individualistic in our attitudes. And I'm suggesting that we have to change that drastically if we're going to survive. And we welcome you to this edition of Tuesday People the Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Album, and I am the author of the book, Tuesdays with Maury, upon which this podcast is inspired. been going on for four years or so now. Uh, we started with the idea of doing a podcast where we could share some of the sound of my conversations with Maury Schwartz that were the underpinning of Tuesdays with Maury and see if we could share some of the lessons there. And it's just expanded into pretty much every area of life that somehow connects back to those discussions that my old professor and I had when he was dying from Lou Gehrig's disease. And we did one last class together on what's important in life once you really know you're going to die. And today we're going to talk about one of those things in probably a, what you will think is the most unlikely fashion. Now, we are recording this on uh, Monday for a Tuesday release. I literally just arrived home from San Francisco, where I was working at the Detroit Lions-San Francisco 49ers NFC Championship game. It's a big football game that determines who gets to go to the Super Bowl. There's two of these games, the NFC Championship and the AFC Championship, and the winners of each one of those games meet in the Super Bowl in two weeks. And of course, you all know what the Super Bowl is. Even people who aren't sports fans know what the Super Bowl is. You know that to get to a Super Bowl is a huge, huge deal. And here in the city of Detroit, where I live, the Lions are the longest suffering team in football that has never been to the Super Bowl. Never. Not since it was invented in 1967 or whatever it was, I think. Uh, the Lions have never gone. Uh, on top of that, they've only won the NFC Championship in 1957. It wasn't even called the NFC Championship back then. So they've never won a modern-day NFC Championship either. In fact, they hadn't won a playoff game in 32 years for mm. this year. 32 years to win a single playoff game. So what happened was this year we got a good team and a lot of really good guys. And they, they really uh, hung together and played together under a, a very emotional, likable coach, a kind of, you know, jut jawed, damn the torpedoes kind of guy, but with a heart and the players love playing for him. The city loves 
dealing with him. His name is Dan Campbell. He got the guys all kind of revved up, and they had a, a whale of a season. They won 12 games, losing only five. They never lost a back-to-back game, so they always bounced back whenever they, they had a loss. And they just had a great spirit and a great camaraderie. And then the playoffs came, and it's like, okay, are they going to break this 32-year curse? And sure enough, they did. And they did it against the quarterback that they had traded away before all this started. Uh, And he came back with the LA Rams and everyone's going, Oh no, we're going to lose to our old quarterback and it's going to be a Shakespearean tragedy. You know, he comes back to, (laughs) to, to slay the dragon of his old team and everything, but no, the lions won. And uh, they won that game. And then they played a second playoff game and everyone said, well, they're probably going to fall one game shy of the NFC championship because that's what they do. And lo and behold, they won that game. And so then, they went out to San Francisco, and suddenly they're one whim away from the Super Bowl. Ah. And this is just unheard of in Detroit. And so you had people going out to San Francisco, draining their bank accounts, <laughs> saying, you know, I don't care. We won't go on vacation this year. No Christmas presents for the kids this year. But we're going to witness the Lions winning to go to the Super Bowl. It's never happened before. We, it's like going to see the Aureus Borealis. It's like going to see the Grand Canyon. It's, it's something you've got to see once in your life. And uh, and you never know if you're going to get the chance to see it again. So I flew out yesterday morning to the game. The whole plane was stuffed with Lions fans just uh... going out. I don't think half of them had tickets. They were just going on a wing and a prayer. Maybe someone would let them in and they buy a ticket out in the parking lot or whatever. Even the flight attendants, when they got on the on the uh, microphones in the loudspeaker system, they said, all right, we've just landed in San Francisco and go Lions. You know, <laughs> yeah. Go to the Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> they couldn't control cry. themselves. They couldn't <laughs> control themselves. And that old plane all cheered and everything. <laughs> And uh, when I got to the to the stadium, I was in the parking lot and there were all kinds of Lions fans. And remember, this is in San Francisco. So you're not supposed to have visiting fans in great number there. But there were so many. And they spotted me and started screaming, come over, take a picture, please take a picture. You know, so take a picture, you know, and and, uh, hey, Mitch Album's here. And uh, now we're going to win, you know, all this kind of (laughs) stuff. And and it was just such great enthusiasm and everybody who was for Detroit was of Detroit, even if they weren't of Detroit, you know, you, yes, you all yes. you had to do was say, I want the lions to win. And you were part of this club. Yes. You part yes. of the team. You're part of this group. People gathered to watch this game here in Detroit who never watch football. I mean, even people who don't watch the super bowl got together and watch this game. My wife, Janine watched this game and she never <laughs> watches football. The right. only time she ever watches it is if she wants to go to sleep. And on a Sunday afternoon, if I'm at <laughs> home and I'm watching it, she'll curl up with me and she'll just go, you're going to watch, you're going to stay here for like three, four hours, right? Because you're going to watch. I say, yeah, I'm not moving. Good. Now I become her pillow and yeah. she goes to sleep on me and she, <laughs> as long as her. I don't move. That's it. That's her extent of it. And she watched the game pacing around and going back and forth as the, as the drama unfolded. And so you want to know what happened. What happened is the Lions burst out to an incredible first half. They scored touchdown after touchdown after touchdown and a field goal. They they led 24 to 7, which is usually 
in most football games, pretty good indicator that you're going to win the game. And in most, in many cases, in games like this, that's the final score, yeah, right? That's I often mean, the final <laughs> score, right? Yeah, they this had is only at half points time. in the first yeah. half, yeah. and everyone said, "Okay, they're they're just, you know, this is incredible." Get and everyone at halftime in the stadium where I was, all the sports writers for Detroit were uh, making their plans for Las Vegas because that's where the Super Bowl is. So I was like, oh my god, I'm calling Delta right now. Got to get an airline ticket. You know, let's get it right now because obviously they're going to go. You know. And who's going to cover this? And when are you going to get there? And all this kind of stuff. And then the second half started. Uh, and mm. the Lions just fell apart. Uh, uh, they uh, fell apart uh. by their own hand. And they fell apart by fate's hand. Uh, uh, you know, first they let the team go down and score a field goal. Okay, not so bad. And then uh, they came back and marched down the field themselves. And when they had the chance to kick a field goal, their coach the- got kind of greedy and said, no, we're going to go for it uh, on fourth down and keep the ball. And they 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 threw an incomplete pass, turned the ball over. Now San Francisco gets the ball. Now they're only down by 14 points. And they throw a 51-yard pass. That is not a good pass. It hits the Detroit defender in the hands. He could have caught it. He goes through his hands, hits his helmet, bounces off oh his face God. mask, goes up in the air, and the San Francisco receiver who's behind him leaps in the air and grabs the ball out of the air. Uh, and then- Three plays later, four plays later, it's a touchdown. And that was when I said to myself, the gods do not want this to happen. Oh, my God. And uh, we are going to lose this game. And sure enough, <sighs> on the very next play, the Lions fumbled the ball and San Francisco got it back, went right in, scored a touchdown. And now it was 24, 24, uh, instead of 24 to seven. And the Lions just, they, they couldn't do anything at that point. Everything they tried didn't work. Uh, their offense didn't work. Their throws didn't weren't completed. Their runs got stuffed and they ended up losing 34 to 31. So you know, on that same, go ahead. I was going to say really quickly about this. I swear to God, it was like Cinderella, you know what I mean? It was like almost like Cinderella's magical Cinderella powers just right. evaporated. It was like they were carrying these magical powers and then something, yeah, the force they field past midnight. Yes. They stayed past midnight and the force field broke because it was insane. Everybody thought I gave my Uber driver yesterday at halftime because I had to go see a show. Unbelievable. I had to break away from the game to go to the show. I was so excited. And he was not even a football fan. He's like, I'm pulling for Detroit right now. I'm pulling for Detroit. (laughs) I gave the guy my fare was $20. I gave the guy $20 as a tip. I was like, go Lions, go Lions. And then I had my earbuds on and I'm standing outside the theater and I'm like, what? And then I hear about the ball hitting the guy in the head and I'm like, what? Then he's like, interception, touchdown. I'm like, the force field broke. The force field broke. And people, I was wearing this sweatshirt I'm wearing now, my Detroit versus everybody sweatshirt. And people were looking at me from the theater all night. They were going, they would give me this look. Oh. Like, yeah, they were all you giving poor, me a solemn nod. Poor little urchin. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. it was really, but but it's what the topic of this thing is, which I'll let you get into now. Which was even apparent here in Los Angeles, California, at a theater show, like at a musical yes. theater show. Yes, and that is a sense of community. Yes, a sense of community, and it is something that. We are sorely lacking in today's world. We'll be back with more Tuesday People 
right after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Maury and I talked about this. Now, remember, this is 1995. We're having this conversation when he said this. And a sense of community mm-hmm. is something that's awfully lacking in our society. Mm-hmm. So I would say that would be an objective for a person who wants to sort of do something for the common right. good. Well, they, they, for example, just get to know the people who live next door to you. Right. Which most people don't know. That's right. Do you know the people who are on both sides of you here? Yeah, I know what they look like. That's it? Well, the others that we have some social contact with, yeah. not the people over here. Yeah. That's so, bad, isn't it? Right. They are not friendly people. Mm-hmm. I know the people across the street, the people on this side of me, mm-hmm. the people across there. These people are difficult. So, I'm not saying I can practice everything I'm preaching, but I can tell you what I think is the way to go. Mm-hmm. Now, if that sounds like your neighborhood, or maybe even worse, that you don't know anybody, that's part and parcel what has become of American society. I am old enough to remember, Lisa, you too, when your neighborhood was your community. Mm-hmm. And you knew everybody on your block. Maybe you even had block parties, neighborhood parties, neighborhood get-togethers. That was a phrase. We had a neighborhood get-together. You never hear that phrase anymore, a neighborhood get-together. You know, no, once and kids in a while, played. That was the thing. Kids were always the uniting force of the parents on a street in those days. Right. On our street right now, you never see kids outside. Like the kids don't come out in front of their houses. I don't know why. <laughs> well, I know why, because p- parents are afraid. They're afraid they're going to be abducted. They're afraid they're going to see something they shouldn't see. Somebody's going to talk to them who they shouldn't. Maybe they have reason to be afraid. Uh, and maybe they don't. Maybe it's just paranoia. But we don't have that sense of community the way we used to. We don't have a sense of everybody coming together. Uh, you know, small town, where I, I grew up in a small town, and we had uh, book fairs for our town. We had like a little circus thing that would come to town. We had like the uh, uh, county fair kind of thing that would come to town where everybody in the community would go to it. Then we had the, you know, the, 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 the Christmas pageant shows that everybody would go to. And we had Halloween parades you know, where the kids would march through the neighborhood in their costumes and you saw everybody. So the idea of community wasn't something you had to go searching for because it was there all around you. It was part of of who you were. You belonged to many communities. You belonged to your family community and your extended family, which often lived very close to you back in those days. 
You belong to your neighborhood community. You belong to your school system community where there are a lot of things that you know, school bake sales, school. I remember as a, as a kid, I was maybe eight or nine years old and I sold pretzels at the football game uh, on Saturday mornings. Our team would play on Saturday mornings and I would stand there, my mother and would do it. And so I would do it and we would sell pretzels as part of the community effort to raise money for whatever. I don't even know where the money went. Books, I guess they bought for the library, <laughs> yeah. whatever. But, you know, I was there and the whole neighborhood was there. You saw everybody. All your friends were there. Friends, families were there. And and that was my job was to collect the nickels or the dimes, or whatever, for the pretzels. And and, you know, it was just part of being part of a community. Isn't that um, something, Mitch, that you helped sell pretzels? Um for p- possible book money in schools. And then you became this very, you know, famous author for books. It all started with pretzel sales. See, here, I thought you were going to say, <laughs> and then you became a guy who loves to eat pretzels. No, <laughs> no. Say, well, yeah, I did. <laughs> but uh, it was part of belonging to something and, and a sense of a community <clears throat> that basically is disappearing. And so when here in Detroit, we had this opportunity to suddenly have this thing that pulled us together and people in neighborhoods started to put blue porch lights out on their porch. So when you would drive by on your way home, you would see blue lights on everybody's house and some people would hang lion flags, you know, and then on Saturday and Sunday, wherever you went in the stores, everybody was wearing a lion's jersey of some kind, uh, somebody's mm-hmm. number, and they would say, go lions at the end of whatever they said to you. <laughs> so I was at a supermarket on Saturday, you know, I was getting some bags. Would you like pla- paper or plastic? No, I'll take paper. Here you go. Stick your card in there. Here you go. All right. Thanks very much. Go Lions. Go Lions. You're like, you would just say it back. Go Lions. Go Lions. <laughs> we like just were church or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> May the right. Lord be with you. <laughs> Peace be with you. Peace be with you. With yeah. You. <laughs> go Lions. Go Lions. And it was just for this two, three week period of time here in the playoffs really brought everybody together and it was a beautiful thing. And, you know, it shouldn't probably take sports to do that. And in fact, Maury and I talked about sports in general. And at the time he really didn't think um, that it was that a sports thing really was, um, you know, the kind of community that he was talking about. Uh, Listen to this here. So, I think the reason I emphasize this community is there's so little of genuine community in this country. Superficial communities, country clubs, you know, and a community of sports, which is a community. I wouldn't want to denigrate it, Mm -hmm. but it's not the kind of community of deep hearts that I'm talking about. It's a community of interests, which is something but it's not the depth and the encompassing of the emotional domains that I'm interested in, you know. But on the other hand, if that's people, all they can do, that's all they can do. Or if they can do that and other things, that's great. So Maury was talking from a point of view of his sense of community was a small group of people whom he could hold hands with look them in the eye, talk deeply about his emotions, his caring for them, their caring for him, deep friends, good friends, people who really understood what it meant to be, you know, looking at the end of your life and 
you know, that takes a very special community. That takes a very special group of people who you relate to on a very deep level. And of course, if we could all have that in our life all the time, you know, how much less depression would there be? How much less alienation and loneliness would there be if people felt that they were, you know, connected that deeply that you could have those deep discussions and that kind of thing. And of course, that's what we'd love to aspire to. And maybe you have that in your in, in, in your own little small world. And heaven forbid, if you're facing, you know, a, a challenge physically or with health, you've got that community. You know, it's not going to be Lions fans who are all coming to sit with you and hold your hand if you have yeah. ALS. But that, as he said, that's not to denigrate what we can do in some of these communities and the beauty that does happen when people do come together for a particular cause. And it does seem that more and more as we no longer get together for school things per se. We no longer get together for neighborhood things per se. We no longer get together for political things because people are so afraid of being vilified by the other side, uh, you know, that they kind of keep their politics to themselves and keep their involvement in many cases to themselves so that fewer and fewer things are available to us to draw us together and that their sports which when it's right, I'm not talking about just fair weather fans or people who you know, like to be seen at basketball games because the cameras are on them or things like that. When you really feel a kinship for the other person who is rooting for the same thing that you are and, and then you have your heart broken with them. And I can tell you when the game was over, I went, I caught the red eye flight out of San Francisco and it was one of the most surreal scenes. I went to the lounge, the Delta Lounge, because that's who it was flying. Everybody in there was just slumped in their chair. Oh. And nobody even said, hi, Mitch, like, or are you Mitch <laughs> album? They just knew. And they just yeah. said, they just looked at me and shook their heads. And they said, we had it, right? We had it. We had it, didn't we? You know, we can't, we can't, we can't not go for, we can't go for it on fourth down we we should have kicked the field goal right like people just coming up starting like they were halfway through the conversation <laughs> yes, already when they right. started me it was no hi oh, Mitch or are you Mitch or anything like that it's just we had to kick that field goal right and and even in their misery they were united you know there was a sense of belonging there was a collective grief and while I wouldn't wish it on anybody cuz it's terrible to be a Lions fan yes it was nice to have that connection and to have that community and to have that sense of what I'm feeling, you're feeling. Yes. You know, what I'm feeling, you're feeling, and we're feeling it together. And yeah, we that- had it here. It was crazy. I don't even, I'm not even there. Right. And it was here. Um, even fr- a girlfriend of mine who I work with doesn't even, she knows nothing about football. She decided to watch the Lions game yesterday because she loved the underdog story. The entire game, she's texting me, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And then when I left and I get to the theater, oh my gosh. Yeah, oh my- yeah. But she was in the community, at, That's right. at the most unlikely suspect, right? It was so lovely. It was all so lovely. It I is. It, oh. Yeah, so we hope it comes back next year, but- but this was one of those magical runs. And what I'm saying to you is if you can find yourself in a little community like that, not only should you enjoy it, enjoy the camaraderie, enjoy the commiseration, whatever it is, but learn from it like, hey, this is nice. 
this is nice to belong to a community uh, of shared and like-minded people. Uh, how can I do this in my life elsewhere? And see if there are ways to form communities, forge relationships, and be a part of something that makes you feel less alone and makes yeah. you feel understood and makes you feel like, <laughs> hey, what I want, someone else wants. I can call somebody else up and say, you know, are you thinking this about this? Or are you feeling this about this? Because I am, and we we're kind of like-minded. It's just something that, you know, somebody once said to me, life is with people. When I asked them what does, what's kind of the meaning of life, they said, life is with people. And it sounds like such a, a meaningless sentence. I mean, okay, well, that's sort of obvious. Life is with people. But it isn't obvious because we live in a world where people isolate themselves so much that you can start to believe that uh, many people believe life is, life is avoiding people. Life is doing as much as you can without people. Life is being online all the time, so you don't have to see real people. Life is, life is, you know, ordering everything from Amazon instead of going to a store. And life is, you know, uh, posting to strangers but not having friends. And, and and so I think that philosophy of life is with people. With is being the key word. With people, being with them in in person and sharing something is a beautiful thing. And and for what it was worth, those three weeks were a lot of fun. Um, yeah here in Detroit and, and elsewhere. Uh, and, um, you know, I learned something from it that I'm trying to share with you about, you know, how nice it is to belong to, to a group, um, you know, that pulls otherwise people that don't necessarily know one to get another together. And if you can find groups like that, join them. So that's our little message along with a lot of tragedy here from the uh, Shakespearean home of football, <laughs> Detroit, Michigan. And uh, we'll Go try Lions. to get them next year. Go, Go Lions. Lions. Let's yeah. just keep the secret handshake up for, for the rest of the year. The secret, we cannot share that with you because only Lisa <laughs> and I are from Detroit. The rest of you can, can, you can write in and try to find out what it is. And if you make the effort, then we'll show you the secret. Handshake. Uh, you can find out more about our show, wetuesdaypeople.com on the web. A lot of history there and previous shows. Get involved in discussions as well. Send us some emails. And uh, we try to do this every week. We're glad you were able to join us this week with Lisa Goitsch, who produces the program. I'm Mitch Album saying, see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday People.